Well, hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity, and it's my privilege to lead us through God's Word a little bit on this uh, fourth week in what we're calling the Advent Conspiracy. Uh, before we do anything else, would you bow your heads and would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as we meditate on your will for us, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O oh God, who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, so as I said, this is the fourth week in this thing we've been calling the Advent Conspiracy. And we started week one with this idea that in the midst of all the hectic pace of the holidays and all the parties and shopping and preparations that go on, that we were going to make worship a priority for ourselves this year, that we were going to make sure that we had an opportunity in the midst of all that's going on to keep the reason for the season in the center and have a chance to worship and praise our God this year. And, uh, and then we said we were going to spend less this Christmas because there's this myth in the world around us that the more you spend, the better your Christmas, and it's just not true. I don't know if you heard this number, but the National Retail Federation says Americans will spend $850 billion on Christmas this year. That's billion with a B, and that's for holiday travel, holiday parties, holiday gifts, holiday food, holiday decorations, $850 billion. And the reality is, that's not what makes Christmas great. And we said, what if we just spent less this year? What if we didn't spend all that money on stuff? And then we said, what if together we were able to take what we didn't spend on ourselves this Christmas and make a real lasting difference in the world by giving more? And our target for that this year as a church has been this ministry in, in the city of Chicago called Collective Chicago that is doing amazing things to help break the cycle of homelessness, homelessness among young men uh, in our city. And, and this week we're talking about this idea of, of loving all, that that's really what the holiday, in fact, that's what life is all about. Now here's my question for you. Of those four, which do you think is the easiest for you to do? As you kind of look at, you know, trying to maybe behave a little differently for Christmas this year uh, to kind of break the cycle that the world says is important around us, which of those is easiest? Is it worshiping fully and focusing on God? Is it spending less on yourself? Is it, is it giving more? Is it loving all? Which do you think is the easiest? Now let me ask you this. As you look at what you've tried to do in your life, what we've tried to do as a church family this year, which has been the hardest which has been the biggest challenge for you? Is it keeping focused on worship? That's been a challenge. Or, or maybe you said, I'm going to spend less, but when you're looking back, you're going, oh, I think I've spent just about as much as I always did. Or, or maybe you want to give, but you're just not sure how to do it. Or I would argue that this week, this last week, Love All, is the hardest. Of, of all four of these weeks, I would argue this one is the most challenging, and let me tell you why. Well, well uh, first of all, I love Christmas. I do. It's, it's, it's my favorite time of the year. I, I love the Christmas lights. In fact, last night, um, my wife and son and I, uh, we had gone out to dinner, and then afterwards, we spent a couple hours just driving all over the Naperville area, looking at all the different Christmas lights. It, it was a blast. I love Christmas lights, and I love Christmas music, in fact, we have a rule in the Schultz household that no Christmas music till after Thanksgiving, right? And so this Thanksgiving, my son and I were in the car together. We were running an errand, and I looked at him. I said, do you mind if I put Christmas music on? And he goes, Dad, Thanksgiving's not over yet. You can't play Christmas music. I said, all right, okay, all right, that's fine, that's fine. I, and he goes, have you listened to Christmas music already this year? I said, no, I haven't. 
And then he looked at me and said, are you lying to me? I said, yes, I am. I'm totally lying to you. I already did. I, it was just to tune the stations in and get them ready, right, for the day after Christmas. I, I love Christmas music. It, the lights, the music, it just gives me such a great feeling. I love the joy that it brings me. But, but of course, when we're talking about loving all, we're not talking about loving stuff like that, right? We're talking about loving people. And in fact, there are a lot of people I love in my life. I, I love my friends. I, I love the fact that they love me and they care about me, that they're there for me. Um, one of those guys in that picture there in the left in the middle in the back is Mark Zender. He's pastor at a church out in Omaha. And, and he and I meet on Zoom every week to pray together, uh, one morning a week. And, uh, and, and we're really dear friends. And I, I love my friends. I love that they're there for me. And of course, that's my family there um, on, the, on the right and the top. My son Christian, my wife Betty, that was our, our son's birthday this past year. We, uh, we took him out to dinner and I love my family. I, I, I love the fact that they love me again and that they, they care for me and stuff. So why would I say that this week is so challenging if, if we all have people we love and stuff that we love? Well, I, I'd call your attention to the fact that this week isn't love some, or love those that love you, this week is love all. And it's the all part that's really the challenge. See, G Jesus said a lot of challenging things when he was here on this earth, but maybe one of the most challenging is this in Luke chapter 6. He said, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And then he went on to say this, he said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. In other words, Jesus is saying that, that everybody loves somebody, and everybody loves something. He says, the challenge, he says, if you're going to be a follower of mine, if you're going to uh, be more like me, if you're going to live, live and love more like Jesus, as we say it here at Trinity, he says, if you're going to be one of my disciples, if you want to listen to my words, I'm challenging you to love not just the people that love you, but love the people that hate you too. Love the people that are a challenge for you. Now, let me ask you a quick question. How many of you use Facebook or Twitter or something like that? Yeah, probably a lot of us, right? How many of you in the last year and a half have blocked or unfriended somebody? Yeah, <laughs> it's real easy to do, isn't it? Because, you know, I, I mean, I would argue that right now our country is more polarized than it's ever been. Republicans, Democrats, vaxxers, anti-vaxxers, you know, pro-life, pro-abortion. I could go down the list, couldn't I? Everybody's got an opinion about something in the world around us, and, and it's not hard to find people that disagree with you pretty dramatically. And I don't know about you, but, but it can make you angry. It can, it can make you frustrated. You, you just want to go, what's wrong with these people? Are they idiots? And see, that's the problem. It doesn't just become about ideologies or ideas. It becomes about personalities, doesn't it? And, and we actually start thinking, not only do I disagree with you, I think you're stupid, and we all feel that way. It, it, it can become so easy for it to get personal. And, uh, and, and what Jesus is saying is, he's saying, look, I'm challenging you to not just love the people that think the way you do, or act the way you do, or like the same kind of stuff you do, or that you enjoy spending time with. He says, I'm challenging you to love everybody, even those you disagree with, even those you struggle with. He finished this way. He said, but love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. 
Then your reward will be great and you'll be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. In other words, Jesus says, my heavenly father, he's kind to everybody. Whether they're grateful or ungrateful, whether they're good or whether they're wicked, he's kind to everyone. And, and I, I would argue that that kind word may be an understatement because of course, you know this verse, John three sixteen, right? It says, God loved the world so much, and not just some people in the world, but all the world, all of us. It says, God loved us all so much that he gave his only son. Think about that from the Father's perspective. Did you ever think about Christmas from God the Father's perspective? I mean, he's spent eternity in this perfect relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We call it the Trinity. Each one loving and caring for the others. And now for the first time in, in forever, there's a separation between God the Father and Son as Jesus becomes a human being. I mean, we think about the wonder and the beauty of Christmas and, and we celebrate that God has come. Think about how hard Christmas Eve must have been for God the Father to be separated from his Son in a way that they had never been separated before. Paul said this to Timothy. He said, I then urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved. When Jesus came to this earth, he died for everyone. That means he died for you and he died for the people that you struggle with. He died for all. And in dying for all, he did that because God wants everybody to be saved. Sometimes when I'm, I'm talking about the power of the gospel and the struggle of the gospel, I'll, I'll say to people, imagine, think about the person right now that you hate the most, that you, you, you struggle with the most, and picture that person sitting next to you at the heavenly banquet someday. <laughs> it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. Now, I, I think it's a legitimate question to say, God, how can you expect me to do that? I get how you can do that, God. You're perfect. You're holy. You, you created all of us. I get how you could love everybody. But how can you expect me to love all people? You see, part of the problem, I think, with us struggling with that is it's that first word. It's what does it mean to love? Now, I, I said I love Christmas, right? I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas music. But I'll be honest with you, after a month and a half of Christmas music in January, I'm going to be ready to turn back on my other radio stations, right? I mean, there's only time, so many times you can hear Santa Baby before you get a little sick of it, I think, right? <laughs> Eventually, the Christmas music's great, and I love it, and I can't wait to listen to it, but I get kind of tired of it. I'm ready to go back to something else, and then I'm ready to take the Christmas lights down, you know, after a while and get back to kind of normal. And, uh, and, and with my friends, I, I mean, I love my friends dearly, and these guys have been friends of mine for a long time, but we've probably all had that experience where somebody that was a close friend of ours, something changes in that relationship, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there isn't that same level of love and care there anymore. If people stop loving us, we kind of stop loving them. And even when it comes to our families, our, our families, there's a certain unconditional love there. At least there should be. There's supposed to be. I don't know, those of you that are parents, you know what it's like. You look at your kids, and it's like, I'm going to love them no matter what they do. Now, you may not like them sometimes, but you're going to love them, right? But the reality is, 
Love means something more than that. I, I was thinking the other day, um, I, I think over the years, I've done, if I figured it out right, pretty close to 400 weddings. And uh, I, probably 398 of them use this verse, right? Now, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But, but a lot of people use, a lot of couples use 1 Corinthians 13 at, at, their, at their wedding. And I always tell a couple when they choose that verse, you guys have a lot of guts. And they look at me like, well, everybody uses that verse. I go, no, what, what you're saying is you're going to promise to love each other, and that's the standard that you're promising. And it's a pretty high standard. Because what you're saying is that no matter what happens, you're going to be patient with each other. And you're going to be kind to one another and you're not going to envy each other. You're not going to be boastful with each other. You're not going to be proud with each other. You're not going to seek your own way, but you're going to seek what's best for the other person. It's not self-seeking. Love doesn't get easily angered. You're, going to, you're, going to, you're not going to easily get angry with each other. You're not going to keep record of wrongs. You're not going to say to each other, you know, three months ago, well, remember, you did that. It's a pretty high standard. In fact, when you, when you look at this, there's this idea that it says at the end, love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, and then it makes this bold claim that love never fails. Now, that's a different kind of love than we've been talking about, isn't it? It's a huge challenge to try to love like that. In fact, I would argue that we would say for the most part in our world today that love is an emotion but, but God's word teaches something different, that love is a choice. It's a decision we make on how we're going to respond when we're mistreated more than when we're treated kindly. It's a decision we make that, that's more about how, we're gonna, how we've decided we're going to respond when someone doesn't love us, not when someone loves us. Love is a choice. And in fact, I would say it's more than just a choice. If you just make a choice, but you don't do anything, that's not enough. I would argue that the Bible says that love is an action. It's something we choose to do. I read a book uh, many years ago uh, by this guy named Dave Simmons. It's called Dad the Family Coach. Great book. And uh, in it, he talks about his family. And uh, at the time of the particular story in the book that I want to share with you, he, he had two kids, uh, Helen and Brandon. And Helen was eight and Brandon was five. And uh, it was a Saturday morning and he had to go to the hardware store. And uh, his wife said, why don't you take the kids with you? And he said, great. And so he loaded the kids in the truck and, and drove into town and was going to the hardware store. And as he pulled into the hardware store parking lot, he saw that one of the local farmers seeking to make a little extra money had, had taken a little fence and set it up in the parking lot and brought a, a little sheep and a little goat and stuff like that, had a little petting zoo set up. And he went, well, that's kind of cool. And, and, and so he gave each of the kids a quarter, said, you guys want to go to the petting zoo while I'm in the hardware store? And they were like, yeah. And so he sent them over to the petting zoo, and he headed into the hardware store. And he said he was in there just a few minutes when he looked up, and he saw his daughter, Helen, coming towards him without Brandon. He's like, Helen, wh where's your brother? He's like, well, he's in the petting zoo. He said, why, why aren't you in the petting zoo? You love animals. Why aren't you in the petting zoo? And she said, well, you gave us each a quarter. And when we got there, the farmer was charging 50 cents to go in. She said, so I gave my quarter to Brandon so he could go in. And then she said these words, and, it, and he said it, it really made him tear up when he heard her say them. Uh, she said, you know, Dad, love is action. Now, he said the reason she said those words is because those were the words that he and his wife said to each other all the time. And in fact, it went all the way back to the sermon the pastor had given at their wedding. 
because he had talked about this idea that according to God's word, love is action. And, and so to hear those words coming out of his daughter's mouth just, just made him feel great. Now, you might think what he did is, he said, nice job, come on, Helen, let's go. And he gave her 50 cents so she could, she could go into the petting zoo too. He said, but he didn't do that. Instead, he said he took her and they went out and they watched Brandon have fun. He said, because, you see, the, the phrase the pastor had actually said to them that they had shortened over the years was this, love isn't just action, love is sacrificial action. You see, folks, true love, according to the Bible, is not just when we make a choice to do something, to act in a certain way towards something, but, but true love, according to the Bible, is when we do that knowing it's going to cost us something, that, that we're going to have to make a sacrifice so that we can love others. And again, where do we get that from? Well, we get it from God. God loved you so much Jesus loved you so much that he made the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his life for you. The, the Bible also puts it this way. This is uh, in 1 John where he wrote, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then, that same disciple, John, in his gospel put it this way. He said, the word became flesh. He's talking about Jesus. And he made his dwelling among us. He, he lived among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Then he said this. We're talking about Jesus. He said, from his fullness, we have all received, all received, all of us, every one of us. And what have we received? He says, we have received grace upon grace. I, uh, one of my mom's best friend, we used to call her Aunt Diane. Um, she was Norwegian, and she had this word that, that she used to say in Norwegian. I couldn't even pronounce it. It was one of the weird tongue flip things that I couldn't do, right? But, but, but when I asked her once what it meant, she said, what it means is sweetness on top of sweetness. So, you know, it's, it's the Christmas cookie, only it's not just a Christmas cookie. On that Christmas cookie is some royal icing. And it's not just an iced Christmas cookie. On that icing is uh, like a little pretzel, and on that pretzel is a little bit of chocolate, and on that chocolate's an M&M in the middle or something like that, right? I mean, it's, it's just sweetness on top of sweetness on top of sweetness. What, what the Bible tells us is God loves us so much that he has given us grace upon grace upon grace. It never ends. So folks, here's the challenge for this last week of the Advent Conspiracy. Every day when you get up, when your feet hit the floor next to your bed, you have a choice to make. Am I going to live for myself today, or am I going to love all? And, and not just the people that love me, not just the people that are kind to me, not just the people that smile at me. Am I going to love everyone? Am I going to love the people that are hard to love in my life? If I'm going to love that boss that treats me like crud, am I going to love that coworker that 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 just for some reason, I can't ever seem to get on their good side. Am I going to love that person that cuts me off in traffic? Am I going to uh, love that lady that, that uh, checked me out at the grocery store and seemed to have you know, uh, something better to do than, than interact with me at all? Am I going to love the people that are hard to love, that disagree with me politically or socially or whatever it is? Every day, we've got a decision to make. Am I going to be someone that, like the rest of the world, just 
loves the stuff that I love and that's it? Or am I going to, am I going to love all? One, one last thought about love for you today. You've heard of the Sistine Chapel, right? You've heard how Michelangelo painted these beautiful uh, scenes on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Well, what I didn't know till not that long ago is he didn't paint just the ceiling. He painted the walls too. We just don't talk about it very much. And in fact, the one wall at the very end of the Sistine Chapel, the one that's behind the altar up there, uh, there's this huge painting. You can see it there and it's called The Last Judgment. Because you see, Jesus is going to come again. And in... uh, and in Matthew chapter 25 that we heard recently, or read just earlier in the service, you heard about that last judgment, and Jesus describes it this way. He says, I'm going to gather all my followers. That's you and me. We're going to be there. He says, I'm going to gather all my followers, and I'm going to say to them, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I, I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was sick and in prison, and you came and visited me. And, and, and Jesus says, we're going to look at him and go, What? Jesus, when? I I don't remember seeing you hungry or thirsty. I don't remember visiting you. And Jesus is going to say this, whenever you did that for the least of those, you did it for me. In other words, we're working uh, to help the homeless right now. And and, and Jesus says, when you do that for someone who's different than you, for someone that maybe you'd struggle to to like and get to know, when, when you do that for someone that you can't relate to, he says, you're doing it for me. So here's the real message of this last week. When we love all, we're loving Jesus. That's really what this is all about. So as I said, this, this Advent season, we've been doing this Advent conspiracy together. And, uh, and we've been specifically focusing on one ministry in the city of Chicago, this, this ministry called Collective Chicago. And uh, we've had a chance to hear some of the stories from some of the lives who have been changed by Collective Chicago. We've got one more to share with you this morning. Listen to this. It was just crazy time. Like, I literally lost my mind. I probably had a mental breakdown at the age of 17. Uh, I'm born and raised here in the north side of Chicago. That was in 81, so um, biracial. My dad's black, my mom's white. So as you can imagine, in 1972, that probably wasn't a popular decision. We were homeless several times, lived in different shelters throughout the city. And then when my mom... When I was 12 years old, my mom ran away. Didn't hear from her until like last year. And so that was like the straw that broke me. Um, That was like, all right, I'm done. I'm done being mature. I'm done following rules. I don't have a mom. I don't have a dad. So... For myself, it's like uh, gang life became something that I got attracted to and uh, went to county jail on my 17th birthday.
all my rebellion, all my authority issues blew up in that moment. Like, I'm like, I don't want to do your therapy. Don't even talk to me. First three years, 125 tickets, uh, three fights, multiple, uh, nine trips to SAG. It was just crazy time. Like, I literally lost my mind. I was there from June 1st of 98, when I was 17, till February uh, 7th of last year. What got you through? It actually started with education. Uh, I got my GED. That changed dynamics in my head. I stopped telling myself I was dumb, and it flipped to, okay, I could go for college now. I got GED. God has moved heavens and earths for me just when things didn't look promising. It's like he has been there. Now I have an apartment that I can pay for on my own. I haven't left that church since. It's like it's it's become my family, like more family than I have in actuality. So I'll be honest with you, um, Jason wouldn't be my first choice of a guy to hang around with, right? I mean, ex-con, used to be a gang member, and, and yet that church, out of which grew Collective Chicago that we're supporting, they, they loved on him when he showed up, and they made him feel, feel part of the family, and they... They did what Jesus said. They loved all. And, and he became instrumental. One of the, he's now one of the board members with Collective Chicago. He became instrumental in, in starting that ministry that we're supporting. Folks, we, we have an amazing opportunity to put that love all idea into practice. R right now, this year, as a part of our Advent Conspiracy. And, and, and by the way, if you've already given your Advent Conspiracy gift this year, thank you so much for doing that. You know, I was, I was watching our online service uh, uh, yesterday, and um, Erica was hosting on there, and, and she said something that, that just really resonated with me. She said, Here, here's what she knows about Trinity. She grew up in this congregation. She's seen it again and again. Th this is the kind of church family that when we challenge you to be generous and when we show you a need, you step up in amazing ways, and you've done that time and time again. I'm asking you to do it one more time. Again, if, if you've already made a gift to Collective Chicago, thank you. If you haven't done that yet, and, and by the way, if you have the Church Center app, it's so easy to do. You, you just take out your phone, and, and you could do that during the next song. We won't care. Uh, take out your phone and go to that Church Center app, and when you open that app, if you go down to the bottom and pick that Give button, uh, and then you, you put in what 
God has laid on your heart to give. Uh, I was joking around. I, I hope that if you were thinking about doing 100 and I just put 50 on the screen, you didn't go, oh, I can get away with only doing 50. That's awesome. But I also hope if you were thinking about doing five and I just put 50, you're not going to go, well, I'm not going to give five because I can't give 50. Whatever it is. Whatever it is you can give. You put that in there and then you hit the next button and then make sure you go that, that drop down where it says general. Um, that's if you're giving to our general fund, that, that fund that we use all the time to make a difference. But for this gift, we'd like you to just open up that general and, and go down and highlight Advent Conspiracy. Pick that. Because every dime you give to Advent Conspiracy is going to go directly to Collective Chicago. And then you just you know, leave it as a one-time gift, whatever bank you normally take it from. If you want to check that box to cover the 25-cent fee uh, so that every dime of what you send can go, that'd be great. Then you just click Next, and, and there you go. Just like that. We'd love for you to prayerfully consider making that gift either today or at some point this weekend, sometime before, uh, before Christmas. Because we want to make a difference again together. Now, would you pray with me? Lord, I, I pray, first of all, for Collective Chicago. I pray for the, for the men's lives that you are transforming through the work that they are doing. They're helping them know that they aren't stupid and, and, and that, that you do have a plan for people's future and that, and that they can live on their own and they can break that cycle of homelessness and poverty and, and do it in a, in a loving way community of people that are showing them the love of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless our church, that we would always be a church um, where we would seek to love all as hard as that can be sometimes. And finally, Lord, I, I pray that you'd bless us all as we take these steps towards Christmas. And as we get ready to, to just worship you fully and, and celebrate what you have done for us, thank you for your gift for us, Lord, because it's from your generosity that we can be generous. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.